during prayer time, did I mention Dawn real quick or not? Dawn Reckner, I got a message from uh, Nell that I didn't get the whole thing. They put it on a voicemail. I couldn't quite understand it, but they had to go to Tallahassee last night. Uh, they had to put a pacemaker in. They got a temporary one that Monday they're going to put a regular pacemaker in. She says he's doing okay right now, but so keep Dawn and, and Nell in your prayers. Uh, Lucy Thomas had her 90th birthday this week, then fell and broke her hip. And so she's in South Georgia uh, with a broken hip. I don't know about Tallahassee uh, Hospital, but uh, even I, Larry, the great, uh, well, we just got to say it the way it is. Isn't that right, Larry? We just got to tell it the way they are. Uh, they won't, even as a pastor, they won't let us into the hospital right now. And so uh, we're praying from afar from all those people, for all those people there. So uh, I don't know if I remember mentioning that. My, that, that part of my memory is about 70 or 80. Uh, did I mention that or not mention that? Oh, the other thing is the dinner is Friday. Sign-up sheet is on the bulletin board outside here. Make sure you're signed up because uh, Jeff Woolley will be calling Covington's this week, Monday or Tuesday. And we got to make sure all the names are on there. The fellowship hall is halfway decorated. We're going to finish decorating it on Wednesday, so uh, going to be a great going to be a great time. As of now, that's still going on. So, all right, our lesson is different than what's in the the bulletin because we have changed sermons. Next week's sermon is probably different too. I need to get with Sabrina ahead of time. Uh, is uh, we're going to come out instead of Matthew, we're going to come out of John chapter four verses 5 through 42. And I actually wrote this two weeks ago, the outline of it two weeks ago, and updated it last week. I'll tell you the funny part about it now. Uh, but So let me give you the outline of this story. Uh, if I get to the right page, we'd be better off. Uh, let me give you the outline of this story. This is the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, and so this is a story where the disciples and Jesus are walking along. Jesus stays at the well of Jacob. And the disciples go to get food, and he's there. While he's there, in the middle of the afternoon, a woman comes up, a Samaritan woman. And she needs to draw water from the well. And Jesus has this conversation about living water and, and all that. And you all probably read the story. Read the whole thing. Read all of chapter 4 in the book of John. And so Jesus is there with her, and he's talking to her about this living water. Meaning himself. And, and she's kind of giving a hard time. But we need to understand some parts of this story. Uh, we need to come along. Samaritan woman. Uh, what was wrong with them? Samaritan people were the, the Jews that were left behind during the exile. And uh, people that had come in and overtaken the land, the Babylonians, or several, the, 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 uh, the Medo-Persians, several of the different uh, sects of people that had, over time had been there. Uh, they, of course, took the, wife, the women as wives or something or another. We're going to keep this G-rated. And they had children with them. The children from the Gentile men, from Jewish women, were Samaritans. Half-breeds, if you will. I don't mean to sound racist or anything else. I'm trying to keep politically correct, too. Uh, but that, and it was a disgrace to the Jewish people at this time. They looked at those people less than full person because they were half-Gentile. And so they would not associate with them. You, you run across that a couple times in the Bible. You go around the town of Samaria and everything else. And, and so there she is. And she's there at noon. The women come and got water in the cool of the morning or cool of the evening, never in the afternoon. 
because it was just blazing hot in the desert. Uh, but she comes in the desert, and why does she come in the desert? Let me back up a little bit. I'm going to read back a little bit uh, to verse 16. After this conversation is going back and forth, Jesus is talking to her. Uh, he tells her this. Go call, uh, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. Typical Jewish setting. You're going to talk to a woman. You're going to really talk to her husband first. That's a, a protocol there. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had now had... Uh, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are now with now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. This woman was an outcast among her own people. She had five, however you want to classify this, we're not going to call names here. She's had five husbands, and the one she's with, she's living with a guy. You go, oh, there's a whole Jewish culture here that's just bad shape here. Uh, and, and so she is an outcast even among her own people, and that's why she's there at noon. And so that Jesus is talking to this outcast person, this Gentile is the key here. Because you know who the dogs, when, when there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about the, even the dogs get the food from the bread, from the table. Who are the dogs? They don't mean woof, 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 woof. Mr. Vincent's not who they are talking about. There we go. Somebody got my shoe. They're talking about you and I. We were the dogs. We're the outcast people. You and I, because we're not Jewish people, we're Gentiles. Jesus comes, or this woman comes to him, but she's talking to him. This is the miracle of this story, that Jesus would even talk to this woman, to their society that was a dog. Jesus comes and brings respect to everyone. So there's the, there's the first part of the story we need to understand. Jesus comes and brings us respect to her. Even by asking about her husband, is a sign of respect towards her. And then we're going to get on to our, our verse here. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Your worship you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all these things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. This woman comes and has an encounter with Jesus, a surprise encounter with the risen Savior. We come today, and there should be no surprise that the risen Savior is here through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let me bring up the Holy Spirit because from Easter to Pentecost, we're going to have sermons about the Holy Spirit. And so you need to understand, many times I've been to churches, and to me, to Larry, they're theologically wrong. Oh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to be here to worship with us. God, invite us in. The Holy Spirit was in this place before you were got out of bed today. Before you and I got ready to come and worship, God was here in the presence, in the power of the Holy Spirit, waiting for you to come to be in your life to worship with you. So, so we come in here. So my question today, why did you come? God come to be in your presence. Why did you come? You know, many people, I hear many excuses. It's the pastor of the church, man. And not all these are bad. Some of it's a habit I learned as a kid. My parents drug me to church and I enjoyed it and I keep on coming. And I'm supposed to be there. It's the right thing to do. You know, I call myself a Christian. I'm supposed to be there. Peer pressure. I don't see that so much in this church. When I was in the military, uh, involved with the base chapel, and, uh, a lot of times the commander, the wing commander, would announce where they were going to go, what service they were going to go to church at. Try to, you know, give everybody a presence there. That service, everybody would be at because they all wanted to be there and let the wing commander see. Oh, I'm a good Christian. I was at the same service you were. See me, sir? And this is the funny part about when this sermon was written. Think about what's on TV right now. NASCAR, baseball. Well, forget those two things because <laughs> they're not on TV right now. Maybe there's honeydews or yard work you needed to do. It's a great day. Trust me, it's a really nice day. You go ride a motorcycle or your sports car. Maybe you were busy yesterday and you're tired and sleeping in sounded good. Maybe the coronavirus is, maybe you thought about, maybe I should stay home because of the virus going around. Why did you come? This is an honest question that we need to ask ourselves. Our first song should be the reason we come, because there's victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. Did you come because the risen Savior is here through his power and the Holy Spirit? Think about this. This is the thing that still overwhelms me, and I'm still just in awe about. You know, in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, we all read that first chapter. Most of us know this anyway, and whether we've read it or not. In the beginning, there was the earth, and the earth was formless, and there and God hovered over it in the Spirit, and he said, let there be light. And he performs all these things on the fourth day. You know, he, he sets the moon and the stars and the sun. And he sets all this thing in mo motion and everything. That same creator come down to earth to die for yours and my sin. That same creator is now back in heaven. And he knows you and me by our name. The one that said, star, you be just a little 10 more degrees over here, knows you by your name. And many people come or don't come to church because they say, you know, you preacher, you just don't know what I've done. God couldn't love me. He cannot love you any less than he loves you right now. He loves you so much. He loves all of us. He loves all of humanity. He loves every one of us. He doesn't love me more than you. He doesn't love the beggar. He doesn't love us more than he does the beggar outside or the person in prison. He loves us all the same. He has a deep desire and love and wants to be in relationship with us. And for that reason, he says, if you would gather together once a week in your midst, I will be there with you. I will worship with you. And so God was here in the power of the Holy Spirit before we even thought about getting out of bed this morning. And he knew your name. Man, I'm going to go to be there and be with Russ West.
Martha, Larry, Julie. God knew that you were going to be here and he wanted to be here with you. He wanted to be here with you. And so we come. Are you just like the woman at the well? You just happen to come and stumble into the presence of Jesus. You just happen to come in and there's the presence of Jesus. And your life's been changed. That's good. Or are you more like Moses? You're just out working and doing your thing. And God calls you. God calls you by name to be here. And there's a quick question I have for you. When he called Moses to the mountain... What did he tell Moses? Anybody, real quick. I like interaction service. What did he tell Moses? You know, Moses. You all watch Ten Commandments. Moses. Moses. And the bush is burning. What did he say to Moses? Anybody? On holy ground. Do what? Because you're on holy ground. Take your sandals off. Thank you. I see my young man in the back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for bringing him to church today. And, uh, but so here we go along. He goes along, take him off. Hey, so what do the sandals represent? The sandals got two representations here. If we really understand what the Jewish people are thinking, uh, when we come to the sandals, they represent the world. They represent work. They represent the dirt and, and the filth and the mire and all those things we are involved in. Number two, the sandals are dead animal skins. They are the deadness in our life, the things that drag us down. And Jesus says, if you're going to come to me, get rid of the dead in your life. Come to me with what is alive and present. What's alive and present? Come to me. And so we come along. We see this woman at the well that stumbled on Jesus. She had her luggage with her. She didn't know it, but she had her luggage with her. One of the oddest things about church people, uh, church people, you'll hear me talk about this quite a bit, they're the craziest people I ever know. And, I, and of course, I'm the pastor, I'm probably the craziest person you'll ever meet. Uh, but so we go along. How many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, whether it's today or date some other day, man, your marriage is messed up, your finances are messed up, your relationship with your children or your, your families or in-laws or work, all that's messed up. But when you come into the house of the Lord, you put on your nice clothes, your nice makeup or whatever. I mean, of course, when you're like me, you don't have to do all that. But besides that, uh, you come with the mask of happiness on. You left your baggage at home. See, Jesus wants all of you here. He wants all of you here. Every part of your life. Don't leave nothing out. Man, you, you, something's good on your life, something's going great, bring it with you. You got, you know, you, you, you got a better job or promotion or, man, your marriage got rekindled or, or whatever. Your kids, you know, a breakthrough in a relationship with a child or a family member, bring it with you. Bring that praise with you. Your marriage is suffering. Your relationship is suffering. Your finances are suffering. Uh, you're, you're drug addicted or alcoholic or, or whatever it might be. Your addiction, whatever, whatever it might be. Bring the baggage too. Bring it all into the house of the Lord.
Because, see, what we need to understand, just as this woman understood, she finally got the light, the light comes on, the picture is that Jesus is the healer. The creator of the worth is bigger than any problem you and I could ever have. He's bigger than any problem this church could have. He's bigger than any problem. He's bigger than the coronavirus. He is bigger than it all. And he can heal it all. And so you need to come with all of you. All of you needs to come into the church. All of you need to come into the house of God. All of it. Don't leave anything at home. Bring all the baggage with you. The good and the bad. Have it brought and bring it to the foot of the cross. Because see, the Jesus I know, the Jesus I've had to rely on, is the great healer. He's the healer. He is the one that can solve the problems. You're having trouble about jobs or looking at changing jobs? Bring that with you. Because if you will come in truth and in spirit, Jesus will give you that answer today. He'll help you through your studies. He'll help you through all the things that you need to go on with. And Jesus will come. He will come into that presence. Come with all your baggage. Come with your praises. And see, here's where we were, where problem is. Back to our scripture we read with our prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. The land that you live in, the land that you walk on, the land of your home, the land of your church, the land of your city, the land of your country. Now my eyes will be open. This is God speaking to us. And my ears attentive to the prayers that is made in this place. Here's my thing with people, church. And I am no better. Trust me, I am no better. Uh, when I say this, I probably just preach a sermon about myself. How many of us have justified our sin? I'm bitter. I'm bitter because of you don't know what that person did to me. I'm bitter. I'm not, I, I'll forgive them, but I'm not going to forget. That's not forgiveness, people. But you don't know what they did. Oh, you know, and I'm, I'm going to talk about guys, not women, because I'm smart enough here. Oh, look at that young lady over there. Ooh, you, know, you shouldn't be looking at her that way. Oh, you know what? I, my wife, my relationship with my wife's not good. So it, what does it matter? Who's it hurting? I've heard those excuses. I have given those excuses. I mean, let's just cut to the chase. Let's just be honest with each other. We have all done things that we're not happy of. Can we agree on that one thing? We all have skeletons in our closet. Bring them. God knows about them all anyway. He knows about them. See, we have justified our sin. One of our problems as a people, as a church, as a country, we have justified our sin. God, there is either sin or no sin. Remember what he says, you know, lusting after a woman is no, no different than having adultery. Having anger towards your brother is no different than going ahead and killing him. So he's talked about this, that even the thought process is the sin. So we need to come with all the baggage. We need to come to the communion rail. We need to come to the foot of the cross. And we need to give it to him and trust that God will take care of it. He didn't condemn the Samaritan woman. He told her the truth. You're in sin. What are you going to do about it? And, and so when we come here for this, I come to invite you as we sing this last song, as we sing our closing song, you're in the house of the Lord. 
You're the one that loves you more than anybody else, more than you love yourself. You're here with the good and the bad. You realize that Jesus is the risen Savior. You've been told the truth. He's the risen Savior. He can solve all problems. He wants to praise and worship with you. What are you going to do about it? As we get ready to sing our last song. The communion rail is open. If you choose to, you're in your seat. I guess the Holy Spirit's going to stay up here. <laughs> You've been on holy ground. When you leave here, leave the dead behind you. Take what is alive that God has given to you. Celebrate it. Wherever you go from here, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit precedes you. And that when you walk in the door, whether it's a restaurant, the store, people are going to know that you've been in the presence of the living God. And in that presence of the living God, they're going to see the light that shines through you, through your love and all that you do. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I ask you that you walk before us, or you lead us and you guide us in the community. Don't let things scare us, Lord. Let us sit and hide behind your protection, Lord, that you will lead us and you will put your hedge of protection around us, Lord, and you'll lead us out into our communities, Lord, to be the light of hope. Our world is not this world. Our world is the world to come. Lord, as we come, as you called us to come and take off our, our worldly sandals, Lord, let us put on our holy sandals and walk out as holy people. That, Lord, that your blessing will be upon us, but not just for us, that it will flow through us to all those that we meet. And, Lord, we just ask you to watch over us, watch over those that we love and our communities. And, Lord, until we come back together again, we just ask you all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. With great excitement, the whole church said...